thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. The Lord Jesus, look at me now. Our Lord Jesus Christ will have nothing to do with surface faith. God wants men, he wants women full of the Holy Ghost, purified until they've no will. Take my will and make it thine, it shall be no longer mine. In perfect unison with him. There's very little of the fear of God among today's Christians. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from their evil. Nobody's convicted of anything anymore. You live in an insane society, for there is no fear of God in their eyes. Nobody fears God anymore. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the jailhouse. <clears throat> I look a person in the eye and say, does Christ live in you? And I want you to know that when you take a look at American Christianity, it is based more upon a godless culture than it is upon the Word of God. And you can't substitute the work of the Spirit of God with some little method of taking a verse out of context, getting them to pray a prayer, and then popishly declaring them to be safe. So that you can walk away with another notch on your belt. Good morning. Welcome to the Removing Confusion Podcast. Tom Richardson, your host today. It is September the 27th, 2022. Our new opening there, uh, I shortened it a little bit. There's so much that we can unravel in that, and a lot of it doesn't make people happy, I'm sure. Because we we're we're comfortable in the Christianity that we've perf- that we've formed over the many many years since Jesus walked this earth, and it seems that something that started out on fire at Pentecost, the church, has gradually, slowly, and almost deceptively become less and less vibrant, less and less fluid, less and less on fire, to the point where we sit in these mausoleums that we call churches and, you know, barely participate. Now, I am not an advocate for people getting up and running around the congregational area yelling, I'm on fire, I'm on fire. That doesn't work for me either. Now, if you truly are on fire, then do so. But the thing of it is, is we have no, no vibrance, no, no, uh, spirit driven, uh, happiness about the Sunday morning service. 
And the thing of it is, is I don't believe most people take that Sunday morning service off into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, etc. And think about that. That's that's something that you have to parse out to yourself. Do I do I carry on the rest of the week the same way I do on Sunday, lifeless and spiritless? And I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I, you know, this is inner reflection. Uh, it, it's told to us by Paul to examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. It's an important thing to do. You know, examine yourself. I guarantee you, you're being examined by the world. You're being examined by your family. You're being examined by God Almighty. So, it is good to reflect upon yourself once in a while and see just where you stand. It's, a, it's, it's part of the, the protocols of following the Lord. I'll give you the verse. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread. And drink of that cup. He was talking actually about the uh, taking of communion. Make sure that, you know, he talked about how if you take it unworthily, you take it to your own destruction. 2 Corinthians 13 and 5. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. That's a tough one to parse out. That's not our scriptures for today. Psalm 26.2, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. Paul even called to the Corinthians again in 1 Corinthians 9 and 3, mine answer to them that do examine me is this. Paul called on them. You know, they're, they're examining him. You know, they're checking him out. Yeah, this guy, what's he all about? We're still looking at 1 Peter today. I, uh, I, I just, that, that little bit there in the beginning, and I'm, I'm not done. You know, we, I've been watching a friend of mine do a a series of videos and, and he's done them several, several years ago, not too far back, but, uh, about denominational Christianity. We are so caught up in what the denomination says. We're so caught up in the doctrines of denominationalism. I, I heard a guy say in a Baptist church one day, you know, if, if you're, you, you should only listen to independent fundamental Baptist preachers. You should only read books written by independent fundamental preachers. You know, in other words, you're better off reading 
you know, Stephen King or uh, Zane Gray than David Wilkerson or any other host of... Now, I'll tell you the truth. There's some stuff that you can get into that is really going to mess you up if you start reading things from Joel Osteen or Joyce Meyer. You know, I, I tell people when I see them with those books that people that'll maybe listen to me is you're wasting your time or David Jeremiah. I hear so much here lately about David. Jer- I haven't listened to David Jeremiah lately. Don't. He's going to tell you that you don't have to worry about anything. You're going to be boop out of here. Don't fall for it. Listen to what God says. First and foremost, even even above what I try to bring. Because Lord knows I can be wrong. And on, on a lot of cases, I almost hope I'm wrong. But we're... We're 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 looking at at a at a lot of really difficult to parse out sometimes scripture that uh, Peter wrote in his first epistle. He wrote some really interesting and very poignant things to remind us as well where we come from and how we got where we are. I've been doing this lately. I'm going to play you a song. The Power of Prayer by, I think it says 11th Hour. I better make sure. My eyes aren't as good as they used to be, folks. I I think I've told you that before. And uh, as I look at my, yeah, 11th Hour, these guys are pretty good. Power in Prayer. Here we go. Good start, huh? Some just see someone down on their knees Talking to the air Words lost on a breeze Some just see teardrops Fall into the floor Just a waste of time Not anything more But it's a direct line To the throne room There is power, power 
That's some good stuff right there. And that is true. There is some serious power in prayer. And uh, before we dive back into the First Peter uh, epistle, let's talk about something that we have in America coming our way. And what is coming our way in a little over 40 days is the uh, midterm elections. Now, you may have noticed I, I shy off a little bit more here of late doing a lot of the news and the political stuff because, you know what, I, I, I looked at it and I, there's there's 1,000 people or 10,000 people that you can uh, listen to, watch, investigate with, and I do, uh, but not as much as I used to. I'm a little bit more concerned with the state of the church. I'm a little bit more concerned with the state of souls in the in 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 the world because this is an international believe it or not ministry that I have going on here. That that sounds y'all oh, listen, you got a big head. Now I can prove it, but I don't need to. You know, this this reaches into all over the place. Maybe not to the degree that a Glenn Beck does, or or Tucker Carlson, or um, a host of other Christian ministries do. But I do believe, and I pray that God will use this ministry one way or the other to reach a soul that needs it for uplifting, or maybe for some straightening out including this soul that's sitting here talking to you. I learn along with you. I, I am driven towards certain places lately, I've noticed, in the Scripture. I always try to bring something new every time I preach a message or teach something. This incalculable thing that I see over and over and over, especially with these evangelistic types. And I'm not talking about the guys that go out and knock on doors. Okay. Evangelists. Oh, he did a good message. Well, no wonder he's done it eight times in the last six weeks. 
If you have that much time to, to hone and practice and play around with and reword and, and think about, well, that didn't go so good the first time, I'll change it and put something else in. You know, hey, anybody can become a fluent speaker. It's the guys that sit around, they say, no, I've, I, this drives me crazy. Too. Preachers that are, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. None of it has to do with reading the Bible. None of it has to do with sitting down and studying. Well, I did that back you know, 25 years ago, and I've got all these messages. I can just bring them to you. Well, it's fine. They're new uh, to me, but they're old hat. And you'll, you'll notice these fellas don't bring you the stuff that I'm going to bring you. And I'll tell you some other guys out there that'll bring you stuff that won't come from your pulpits usually because this is hard-edged things. The things that start to cut into our, our being to bring us a little bit closer to God. You know, it's it's... You know, in, in my opening uh, clips there, the, the, the last guy that speaks is a guy by the name of Paul Washer who says, you know, how do you, you, you just basically go out and you get people to say a five-second prayer and then walk away from them just so you can put another notch in your belt. That's not salvation. That's, a, that's like a mantra. And these guys have their little sinner's prayer down to a to a, to a, a science memorized. And yes, you have to start somewhere. You have to start somewhere. But do the do you walk away from somebody after you've prayed this prayer with them understanding being born again? Usually not. Sometimes you'll never see them again. I make it so you can hear me anytime you want. There's hundreds of me. Some of this stuff isn't worth listening to anymore because it was a lot of news and a little not that much Bible. Now it's going to be more and all Bible. That's the way it's got to be, folks. We're we're in a and I, I will bring you news where it's newsworthy. But I don't want to get people stirred up about you know. There's a lot of stuff going on with currency today in Europe. And it's here in the United States, too. Digitizing currency. Having people walk around with their phones with those little QR, QR, QR codes on them. If you don't have a phone, you're not going to be participating in commerce. That's, you know, to some people, it's scary stuff. But we're we're still a little ways away from the total takeover. So we'll not worry about that just yet, but we'll keep our eyes on it. We've got about 40 days till this midterm election here in the United States. I say you start praying now and fervently pray for the next 40 days. Are you willing, you, you know, so, and if you can fast, fast as well. I have a little trouble fasting. The Lord knows that. But, you know, maybe just fast a meal. Drink a lot of water instead of coffee and soda. And there's the guys out there, I don't drink any soda. I don't drink any coffee. 
will bless you. You're giving up things that make your life maybe a little bit more interesting or fun or exciting and turning that time over to God. Studying your Bible, folks. Study your Bible. If you just look at two verses here and there, the other day we started in Peter, First Peter, and I don't even think I made it past verse 3. I may have. I'll recap just a little bit, but I just wanted to say that. You know, what are what are we willing to do? What you know, God uh I mean he he really does honor fasting and prayer. Not the kind of prayers we're so used to, the ones that we're taught in church where they only last a minute. God bless this service, you know, all that stuff. You know, the church is together dead as it may be and you know because there's no spirit this you know people all oh, the spirits in me well show it let me see that i mean there's churches that do and there's like say can go overboard where it becomes fake but uh when the spirit's not moving in the church it's just you know it's like water that lays dormant what happens it gets that green goop all over it it's kind of stagnant <clears throat> Let's let's get back. You better get into get into this before I get myself in trouble. And you know, I'm not here to smack on the church. That is the body of Christ. We need to be just that. First Peter chapter one. We'll just go real quickly through some of the stuff I've already touched on, I'm sure. Uh verses one or I'm sorry, verses three and three through six. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through him, or I'm sorry, through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Verse 7 that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to go back through that and look at some things that uh, we need to really hone in our, our brains and our our lives and our hope and our 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 souls folks that we are bought by the blood we sing the songs we quote the lines there's power in the blood washed in the blood 
The old rugged cross full of blood. We are blood bought and given life because of the resurrection of Christ. We have a lively hope. That's what it says. We have a lively hope. Not a dead, lifeless existence, folks. A lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. His his resurrection displays to us, reveals to us, in common vernacular, Cinescope 3D HD color that we have a lively hope in his resurrection because that means we as well, those who are in him, will also one day be resurrected. In verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you and I. We have already been adopted, Paul tells us in the book of Romans, by God. In that adoption, it's not like in, in the human family, some people may adopt a child and uh, then maybe because they couldn't have kids or something, you know, or they just wanted to. Maybe they wanted to do a good thing for a young child and they adopt them, but they never really quite because then, then they have a kid of their own. And who gets, who's going to get the more usually? Now, not always, but because, you know, I, I can, I'm just using an analogy. The adopted child is a little bit more, you know, out there. Maybe they don't have the bigger part of the inheritance or they'll get none at all. And then there's those people who have kids all over the place of their own and they pick one. That's my favorite. He or she is the one I'm going to bestow everything upon. And the other three or four or five or ten get a little pittance of what's left over. God does not do that. Are we not? I'm sorry. Aren't we, are are we, can we even be any more happy? (laughs) That's what he's saying. We have a lively hope. We have a, we have a, we're looking forward to our inheritance. You know, it's a different kind of an inheritance, an earthly inheritance. Somebody has to die. Your parents have to die before that inheritance becomes fruition in your life. In this, in this, I'm sorry, in this inheritance, someone has Jesus Christ. But then he was resurrected from the dead. That's your inheritance. It's not gold. It's not silver. It's not plutonium. Or what is that? Not plutonium. Good Lord, we don't want that. Platinum. 
It's life. Life that goes on forever. Eternity with him and with all the others that have accepted him. He says, this inheritance, it's incorruptible and undefiled, and it doesn't fade, and it's reserved in heaven for you. Those of us who are kept by the power of God through faith, notice that, kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. The very end. We're kept by the power of God. Not you. Not me. Not what you did. Not what I did. Not what I will do. Not what you will do. It's the power of God that keeps us, holds us, protects us through whatever we may face. It's, it's that old word, uh, dynamis, where we get the word dynamite from, power. God's power is explosive. It's more powerful than anything that we can ex- we can even examine that we can even think about the power of god through faith unto salvation by faith through faith you know read hebrews chapter 11 to understand faith right substance of things not seen you believe in jesus christ i've never seen him face to face i've felt him in my spirit but i have faith that he existed on earth and he exists to this day and forever on the throne next to his father in heaven. Now look at verse 5 and 6 I have to read in conjunction because they go together perfectly. We're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye, you and I, greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if needs be, you're in heaviness, through manifold temptations. We're going to break that one down just a bit because this is one of those ones that's going to, oh, no. Where is he going with that? Oh, my. And, you know, the the, the other verse I, I was looking at as well, I, I outlined a whole bunch of stuff down there. Verse 4, you know, you have the, uh, we're given an incorruptible inheritance It's incorruptible, undefiled, and doesn't fade. Reserved in heaven. You can take that verse right there and spend an hour on it. And who knows, down the road I might. (laughs) Because sometimes, you know, what's in between the commas, 
in a, in a verse, you really need to parse out, try to understand more. They, uh, there's, they're set apart from each other. Even in this one, in verse 6, wherein we greatly rejoice, comma, though now for a season, comma, if need be, comma, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. So let me go ahead and skip down to my notes on verse 6. Well, let's just blow on it, okay? Um, We rejoice. We greatly rejoice in the fact that God, through the power of God and his holy, perfect power, and through our faith unto the salvation that he's given us, we're ready to be revealed. He's keeping us. He's holding us. And and here's, here's the thing. We greatly rejoice. It's like hallelujah. You know, he's, I'm in God's, remember the old song, he's got the whole world in his hands, you know, and it, it goes through the whole little babies and, and old men and whatever. That's, that's like a children's song or, or, or something. I, I sing it and play it when I go to the uh, skilled nursing facilities sometimes because they, uh, they know the words. I like people to sing along. It's true, though. This is the power. Only our God, Father God, Abba Father, only he has the power to have the whole world in his hands. Remember, the devil is the little g God of this world, it says. The Bible tells us that. Jesus told us that. But the devil is God's devil. He only gets to do what he is allowed to get away with. Now there will come a time when his wrath will turn loose and he'll, he'll become inflamed and crazy. And that day, it may be sooner than we think. But right now, we can greatly rejoice, greatly rejoice Though now for a season, that's a short time. And Peter wrote this probably about, I don't know, 50, 60 A.D. So that little season could be almost 2,000 years. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, Ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Who likes tribulation? Nobody. That's what it says, temptations. The devil constantly raps on us. He's constantly trying to get you to turn away from the faith of Christ. There's words that are being used in there that we don't use a lot, manifold, you know, that just means various 
lots of different ways. He's, he's got a toolbox that, that is deep. The devil does. There's a lot of verses that you can connect to this, this little, uh, ditty here that Peter wrote. But I want you to think about something. We're constantly told that we won't go through anything bad. But yet then we do. But, you know, that's just normal, everyday believership. You know, <laughs> stuff's going to happen. You know, you get cancer. Or you'll have a stroke, heart attack, uh, break a leg. That's just life. We're talking, you have to get outside yourself and outside the walls of the church, outside the boundaries of the United States and understand that manifold temptations are, it's a, a more than temptation. Trust me. This is a, this is telling us that there will be various persecutions because verse 7 tells us your trial by fire. Your trial by fire. Let's go ahead and go to that too. I'm not done with verse 6. But verse 6 and 7 also go in conjunction because if you look at if you're looking at your Bible, I hope you are. I'm King James Bible. If you look at your Bible, it says through manifold temptations and I believe that's a semicolon, which means it connects you know, there's an ending there, but it's a connection that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes or perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. That may be the, as far as we get today. But we're going to try to go a little further. I want to. I really love this book of uh, that. Well, both of them, but First Peter, as you read it and then reread it and then start to tear it apart bit by bit. You know, there's so much in here that if you sit in a church that uh, doesn't believe that we'll have any real trials as a church but this is actually kind of a you know personnel personal trials that trial of your faith what a what a what a statement right off the bat in verse 7 of first peter chapter 1 the trial of your faith And uh, I, I don't throw a lot of Greek at you because it's, you know, it's proving. The, the Greek word for it, it's dokimion or something like that. That by which something is tried or proved, a test. We go through tests a lot. We, we're, you know, and again, we have this constant temptation of whatever whatever the devil can figure out your weakness is. And there's people who say, oh, you don't have to worry about the devil. 
I had a guy tell me a year or so ago that we don't have to worry about those Russians. So I told him this year after I told him, hey, remember last year when I told you that? Are you worried about them now? They're talking about throwing nukes at you. Let me tell you somebody else you better keep your eyes on, the Chinese. Okay, then let's go into Bible study. And again, I just throw that out there because, you know, Satan, the adversary of our souls, has found various ways, manifold, various, many ways to try you, to test you, to see how far your faith can go. Now, I'm not talking about the loss of your salvation. But I'll tell you this. If you, if you cave at, at every little trial, if you, you get a little fire, you're going you're gonna to feel it. It's going to hurt. But you know what? Turn to God. Do you turn to God? You get in an argument with your spouse. You just keep the argument going or you just shut up and start praying. Pray always. Pray without ceasing. Rejoice evermore. When you, when you run up against a brick wall with somebody, do you just keep bashing your head against the wall? Do you just keep tapping out horrible things to say about them on Facebook? I know people that do this. I don't. There's times when I sat there at my computer, and I and to be honest with you folks, I don't do a lot of Facebooking. Those of you that know me pretty much know I don't. I don't spend much. I do I do look at you know Facebook memories they call them or whatever, because it's stuff that I posted maybe ten years ago. I'm like, wow, that was pretty good ten years ago. I'm gonna post that again. I just let it go. Most of what I did or do is biblically related. And then I also use it for self-aggrandizement of putting this podcast. I post it there for those that uh, are friends of mine and want to listen. I hope you do. I pray you do. I make it easy for you to get to. In First Peter 4.12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Again, that same, the same book, the same letter, a couple of chapters down the road, he's telling them again, don't you understand? You're a Christian. You're a follower of Christ. You're a believer. And if you truly are, I'm not talking about the, the physical ailments that we get as we get older, you know, like me and my eyesight, uh, sugar diabetes, and all the other things that come along my dry mouth as I sit here at this microphone and have to sip water. You know, I don't, I don't consider that a fiery trial. I, I consider that a, a bad lifestyle. You know, ate too much at one point, did this, did that, did the other. Or, you know, just genetics, they happen. I pray about it. You know, Lord, just don't let me go completely blind because then it's going to be harder to read my Bible. Or other books that I have deemed do me good. 
I don't read novels anymore. As much as I'd like to, I have some around, but I don't read them. I don't have time. Now, it doesn't make me holier than thou. Don't even try that. What it simply means is I have a hunger to see what other believers have to say and then match what they say up with the word of God as well while you do it. Prove everything. Test the spirits to see if they be from God. Don't let things just whiz by. That's why, guy. I'm going to tell you something. I, I've mentioned names already, and I'm not saying people like this aren't aren't saved or aren't going to heaven or whatever whatever the terminology may be, or that they're not right some of the time. But guys like David Jeremiah, John Hagee, I, I just I don't Joel Osteen for crying out loud. If you if you're reading him, you really have gone off the deep end or Joyce Meyer who's nothing more than pep talks we don't need that we need truth we need the truth that is in the Bible the parts that you don't hear about on Sunday morning like first Peter because he tells you like it is I use Bible resources on my computer because mainly I can blow it up and make it easier for me to read. And I love the connectivity that comes with it. You know, I use blueletterbible.org. I'm going to have to send them some money because they really do help me through this ministry. And there's people who say, well, you're using a computer. You didn't really study God's word. Yes, I did. But I I love that I have a way. I have a chain reference Bible, but I use a I have to use a magnifying glass to see the chain reference, excuse me, the chain references. Because I can't see very good. And why can't you use the tools that are there? The tools that are the devil can use it for the pornography and everything else. I'm not doing that. I'm using the biblical tools that I feel work well. Zechariah 13, 9. And I will bring the third part through the fire and refine them as silver is refined. Let me tell you something. The church in the United States and the Western church is going to go. It has to. It has to go through some kind of refining. When you put gold or silver to the fire, the smelting pot, whatever you want to call it, you do that to refine it. You know, you'll have gold. At, well, it's, you know, nine. It's like 80% pure. Well, that's not good enough, you know, in, in the gold trade. I want 999 at least. Silver as well, 999, 0.999 pure. How do you get it there? You dig When you dig it out of the ground, it's dirt with the ore. You have to melt it. You have to burn it. You have to refine it with fire and heat. The gold drops down the dross, they call it, or the junk floats to the top, and you just continue to scoop and scoop and scoop to get the dirt out. What is taken out first to make things pure? 
is the dross, the dirt, the unwanted particles. Now, I can use that for another analogy that I'm not going down that road right now. But the fire that Peter tells us of, it refines things. It makes them pure. Paul wrote in five, uh, uh, Romans 5, 4, and patience, experience, and experience hope. This is, again, and, oh, I'm sorry, 5, 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. He used the words, folks, tribulation, a squeezing, a firing, a burning, a, a, a removing of the bad. Not only does it remove the bad from our presence. If you're in a, if you're in a, God's church, Christ's church, the church of Jesus Christ, not the Latter-day Saints, not the church of Christ. I'm talking about the universal multi I mean these denominations are going to break down sooner or later. And the real Christians are going to come out and say, I don't need this, all this denominational bubbly bub. I need Jesus. I need the truth for once. I need all of it. Not where we take and put truth next to just a scratch bit of error because that's what we figured. Don't let me get there. But we know... We know, as the parable of the wheat and tares, my wife and I were discussing that yesterday. We know that there's weeds, W-E-E-D-S, weeds, weeds, tares, growing amongst the wheat. Read that parable in, uh, I'm sorry, in Matthew 13. We will discuss that one day soon. I'm still on 1 Peter chapter 1 for crying out loud. But when you read that kind of thing, and again, it's a picture of the bad things being removed, but not by the human hand. He says, wait for the reapers. The reapers are my angels. They will remove the tares, and then, and then, and then gather my wheat into the barn. He will take what's good into his barn. The other goes in the fire. With the gold, it needs to be refined. It needs to be refined. It needs to go through the fire before it becomes of any use. Trial by fire, we've heard that statement before have we not and it's your faith folks it's your faith that's going into the fire it's your it's your willingness to stand up for the word of god it's your willingness to stand up for jesus christ when the time comes it's your willingness to say i have the faith And I'm going to stand here, even if it costs me my life. 
somewhere around this office, I have printed out the way all the apostles died. Our, our glorious first fathers of the church. Well, we know that Peter was crucified upside down. We know that Paul lost his head. I know that Thomas was speared in India. He was a missionary. Oh, all you ever hear from idiots that stand in pulpits is not doubting Thomas. Now, he doubted Jesus. Yeah, but he died for him. Peter denied him, and he died for him. Don't get caught up in the doubting Thomas, denying Peter. These men were converted. They, they, they turned back full on to Jesus. And they went out and died for their faith in him. John, of course, went to the Isle of Patmos where he was an old man and practically worked to death. They released him. He died in his church up in Asia Minor. James was tossed off the uh, temple to his death. See, how many of you are called for that? If you knew going in, that, oh, yeah, I want to go down to the altar. If you knew, and then you know, then be able to stand around and say, oh, I've suffered so much because, you know, I've been persecuted. People don't like me anymore. Oh, well. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something. I didn't have many people like me before. So I'm good where I'm at. I've got a good family, my wife, I've got a brother, dad. You know, we're fairly close, as close as we can with all the miles between us. But here's the thing. There's always going to be people that don't like you. But when you step out and you're not and you're you're fearless to face those who are so against God and just say, you're wrong. And I'll tell you why, in love. Before we go, I'll give you an example. And my buddy Mike sent me, got me looking at it. Uh, and Tucker Carlson on his show had this lady. She's a, And she's probably Catholic, I don't know. And look, again, I'm not caught in denominationalism. Protestant, Catholic, Episcopal, Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, uh, Church of Christ, Church of God, Church of whatever. There are some in there that I do not ever, will never fall into. But you know what? There's Christians there. There's people who believe in Jesus there. But anyway, this lady, she's the new prime minister of Italy. Italy. And she ran on a platform of God, family, country. And she's being painted as the new Mussolini. And if you don't know who Mussolini is, he was the guy who took over Italy back in the 30s or whatever, 20s even, and then you know, conjoined himself with Hitler and was part of the axis of evil. This lady 
simply is telling people in speeches that she loves God. She loves Christ. She, she's all about family. And then you transpose that to where we are, where if you, you know, you'll get this, that it's almost like a sideways remark from some politicians. Oh yeah. God, you know, but when you look at their platform, they have removed God from it. The Democrats removed God from their platform several years ago, back when Hillary was running. And somehow that godless, uncaring for their own people, political party took over one of the most important nations on planet Earth. And I don't say that because I live here. It's because... We hold things together. We keep, we, we, you know, even though wars go on, they could go way farther than they do. The, 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 the uh, military might that we had at one time kind of helped keep things in check. You're always going to have stuff dust up. That's another day. I'm going to read that verse again, 7, 1 Peter 1, 7, that the trial of your faith being much, your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it may be, though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. At the appearing of Your faith. Now, some of us may not live to the appearing of Jesus Christ. Some of us may die. Age takes us, or you know, accidents, or whatever. Maybe you're at the wrong place at the wrong time. It happens a lot these days. But it's up to the point of Christ's return, as it says. And I'm not talking rapture. Because I think if you listen to me, you already know where I stand. It says the appearing of Jesus Christ, where every eye will see his appearing. You may be tried by fire, but your faith, which is much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. We're looking forward to that appearing, and we need to look forward and 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 hope for it, pray for it. I don't care. There's people that say, oh, you're not supposed to pray for Jesus to come back. That's bull. Read Matthew chapter 6, the disciples or the Lord's prayer, whatever you want to call it. Thy kingdom come. Jesus didn't set his kingdom up his first time here. They thought he was going to at the, uh, at the uh, triumphal entry into Jerusalem the week of his crucifixion. But the next time he comes, which is 
near future, he will set up a kingdom. And it'll last for a thousand years on this earth. Very difficult to understand. And it takes a lot of of really depth to uh, grasp that thousand-year millennial reign of Christ and what will happen during it. But that that's, that's for, uh, again, it's for whenever that comes for us to look at. Right now we have to understand that think about what, again, what our, our founding fathers of the faith went through. Think about all that they faced right up to death. Killed for their faith. And people today are still being killed for their faith. What makes us so much better? that nothing will happen to us like that. We won't be persecuted. We won't be, we won't go through tribulation. I read the Bible a different way. It says that the trial of my faith, which is precious, more precious than gold, is going to go through fire. Church, get ready for fire. You're a child of the king. Act like it. Thanks for listening. I'm washed.